Welcome back. March 8th, episode 33 of Changing the Field. Thank you. I appreciate you all for listening. Uh, we got another great one. Former University of Oregon offensive lineman, won three Pac-12 championships in 2009 through 2011. Also played four years of professional football, mainly for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, since retiring, he spent time investing, screenwriting for television and reading. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Darian Weems. What's going on, man? Nice to meet you, brother. Good to meet you as well, man. I, there's probably another Darian Weems out there somewhere. Shout out to him. <laughs> <laughs> Darian A. Weems. Yep. Actually, A. A. Weems. My mom and pops couldn't decide on a middle name, so they both gave me one. Ironically, they both started with an A. So, Really? Fun factoid headed in, yeah. Okay. All right. So I see that you got the professional podcast set up. We were starting to talk about it a little bit off air, man. I, uh, I want to say I am, I am taken aback at how professional it looks. And also you're kind of putting me to shame right now, bro. So am I don't, bro, don't, don't feel that way because, you know, I like, uh, do work in entertainment also and kind of started a production company with some friends of mine. And so this is all stuff that I'm super familiar with. And so, uh, you know, it's a lot easier for me to put, like, I had a lot of this equipment just kind of already. Right. So, you know, yeah. don't, don't put a lot on it. Don't put a lot on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No big deal. No big yeah. deal. Uh, so you mentioned that you do a lot of creative work. I know, uh, when I got your info over for the booking, it said, um, you know, creator, and then, you know, you had played at Oregon and everything like that. What, what are you doing creatively? Well, uh, me and some of my high school buddies kind of started this uh, production company. We actually uh, got a deal for a, a development deal for a show at Warner Brothers, our subsidiary of Warner Brothers called Stage 13 um, for a real estate show. It's an unscripted show. Um, and really my whole thing coming in was like, uh, you know, learning about the business and stuff and i'm really starting to kind of like dive into writing um you know kind of as a craft and as a career uh, and that's kind of where a lot of my energy is focused at as well as like any kind of development stuff that we're doing for a lot of our unscripted projects so like we're pitching some stuff right now so just uh you know uh, good old la creator you know it's producing writing doing my thing Beautiful. So have you always been creative, like growing up? I know you're a hell of a football player, but when you were a kid, what what what, what did that look like? The earliest, I would say, me thinking about creating things, I, I would always like jot things. I had these like journals all the time. I remember I wrote this like crazy story. It was a horror story, very R.L. Stein inspired. Now that I'm thinking back about it, just like Goosebumps vibes. And, uh, you know, like I grew up in a house where like my grandfather 
kind of was a songwriter. And so that's how he uh, made a living at parts of his life. And so it's just, you know, I'm, I'm around it and it's stuff that interests me. I remember uh, being with my grandmother and grandfather growing up and I would be kind of, uh, you know, little kid excited, just like telling them stories. You know, my grandfather would always tell me to get to the point. He'd be like, Tiger, they call me Tiger. You got to get to the point, man. Nobody going to stay around for this. You got to get to the point. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of something that's always been there. Like in college, I studied English literature as one of my majors. And so, you know, I've just been trending this way for a while. So, you know. do you, you play any other sports growing up or was it just football for you? I played basketball was my first love. I love basketball to this day, although it's not as entertaining as the NFL to me. Like, I love watching football. Like, I didn't even realize how awesome it is to watch as, like, a sport until after. And I kind of stopped uh, – I, I, I held this, like, uh, weird line in the sand for a while. Like, I wouldn't watch football. Uh, and then, like, the last kind of this past season, I just found myself deeply into it and just watching the games and loving the games. Um, but – I did a little track and field growing up. I, uh, I, I do the shot put. I got third place in state when I was in the ninth grade uh, in Louisiana. Um, and played a little bit of basketball. I got dunked on and stuff. But like I was bad at basketball, really bad at basketball. Same. I got dunked on one time. We were doing a, a teacher, like it was a faculty student basketball game in middle school. And I was in sixth grade. And I was tall too. I was like six two in sixth grade. And uh, the teachers, we were like, we're going to kick their ass. Like, this is going to be easy. We had a bunch of athletes out there. And they, so one of the teachers brought like their son that was like a Juco 6'6 basketball player, man. And I didn't think, uh, we got caught on a fast break, man. And I went up with him and he punched on me, bro, in front of my whole, whole class, whole school. Yeah. First, like real basketball experience just got dunked on. So I, I'm right there with you, man. I, I know the pain. <laughs> Did you, uh, did you keep playing? Did you play a lot of basketball growing up or? I ended up, uh... I ended up bailing, uh, in ninth grade, uh, the high school I attended, the, the head coaches were kind of at ends with each other. The football coach wasn't really tight with the baseball, wasn't really tight Mm -hmm. with the basketball coach. And they kind of ended up pushing me in one direction. And my first love was always football. I was never going to give that up. So how about you? How about, did you, you ended up doing it in ninth grade. You got third in state after that you were done with track or. Yeah. So I growing up, like I was born in LA and when I was in elementary school, my mom moved us to new Orleans uh, and we lived out there until after hurricane Katrina. And so when I was in new Orleans, you know, I, I did a little basketball, did a little bit of uh, track and field. And uh, after Hurricane Katrina, I came back here. I went to Taft, Tea House, shouts out to Tea House. And uh, really, I just focused on football, you know? And it was like a crazy kind of tumultuous time in life, you know, like a lot of loss, a lot of like stuff happening. And it just felt easier to focus on one thing, so. Yeah, that was back in 06, uh, right, Katrina? Yeah, 2005. Uh, you know, around or late August 2005, because my sister's birthday is uh, is kind of. I, I remember we were celebrating her birthday, and uh, we were in a hotel in somewhere in Mississippi, just kind of watching this thing hit. And 
that was like the first time we realized like, oh, we we may not be able to go home, right? And you have to kind of start like making those plans. Um, so yeah, late, late August, so five. Did your parents have to go back and settle anything with the home you guys were living in? Like, was there like maximum damage on that? Um, ironically enough, the place we lived in the city uh, is the highest part of the city, right? And it was super ghetto back then and super like, it, you know, stuff happened. And uh, now that place is seen as kind of like this gold zone. And, you know, there's fucking coffee shop. Can I curse on here? Sorry. Yeah, there's okay. coffee shops or there's fucking coffee shops and all, you know, white people walking their dogs and shit. And so it's just like a completely different vibe. Uh, but they went back there. Um, I would say right, August, this thing hits. Uh, I would say by like mid-September or no, early September, because it was around my birthday, like the fourth or fifth, I, we were in uh, Los Angeles. We got to drive here uh, straight, didn't have any clothes or anything, no, uh, no money. Like someone had to give us some money at a gas station to kind of get us, uh, to keep us going. Uh, and I would say probably around the like fifth to the 10th, like uh, my mom and them had to go back and kind of check the house. And that's when we realized that uh, that was a really great place to own a home at the time. <laughs> so, wow. So yeah. when, when do you think if, if it's the case at all, when do you think that you fell in love with football and did you fall in love with football? Cause you ended up being damn successful at it. Super loved it. Um, and to this day, I love it. Um, I remember growing up in Louisiana and I would watch like, LSU Tigers play, you know what I'm saying? I would watch kind of like some of the classics that they would have where they would have like the best team from Alabama play the best team in Louisiana. And, you know, just watching like hard fought football, just freak athletes. I was like, oh man, this is cool. This is super cool. And uh, I really fell in love with it. Like once I started playing it and once you realize that it's like a family, and it's this place where you can like, you know, where you can give all your energy to that's going to give you something back because, you know, if you're like a young black kid coming from a certain place, like all the places that are available for you to give that energy to aren't going to give you something positive back. And so, you know, just like that and the camaraderie and just like the desire to be good at something, um, you know, really made me fall in love with it. And I, you know, love it. And went to the NFL and fell in love with just like the craft of offensive linemen then of offensive line then and just like the all the little ways you get better and obviously there was like like I played for the Cowboys and we had just like a historically good offensive line and just being a part of that room and preparing with those guys and doing the whole thing we had a great coach who you know he'll probably be in the Hall of Fame one day uh, as an offensive line coach like this it was just a, a good environment to be around and it just made me love, love it even more and be that much more appreciative of it so you ever think about coaching when you got done i know a lot of people a lot of football players end up going back yeah so i do a little stuff at my high school um i was gonna coach coach them full time and then kind of COVID happened and you know, I was kind of expecting for the season to be over at a certain time. And I planned for some, some, you know, for some different things to be happening around uh, this time of the year. So we're trying to work out kind of how I can best like 
uh, add value to them um, while also like not needing to be there as like a full-time coach because that's a, that's kind of a lot for other things I have going on. So, But I, I, I love giving back to, to kids in that way because like I've been around some of the best offensive linemen, right, of the last at least decade, like this century, right? And, uh, you know, I've got stuff to give and it's nice to kind of give that away. But, you know, it's got to happen kind of in a way that's uh, that doesn't destroy me also. So Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome that you're giving back, man. That's one of the things that I – uh, that I, I dearly, dearly miss about coaching myself is the impact that you have on youth, which is another kind I mean, this big part of the reason why I ended up starting this podcast to try and, you know, impact them in my own way, just kind of how you right. like you're doing, not so hands-on anymore, but you know, the, the giving back part, man, the family aspect of it, I'm, I'm same, same vibe right with you. Big part of the reason why I ended up falling in love with the game in the first place. Right. So with, you ended up playing at Oregon. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You ended up being a high school All-American. Uh, Shout out, yeah. Offense yeah. defense bowl. Yeah. Was that the Army Bowl or was that? No, it was uh, Rivals.com. Do you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like a, uh, it was like a recruiting publication when I was coming up. They had a pretty big online presence. And uh, we played them. It was like their inaugural kind of all-star game. They like Cam Newton played in that game. Des Bryant played in that game. Uh, Earl Thomas played in that game. Carlos Dunlap. Like it was kind of a crazy game, you know. Like lots That's... of like just crazy play. Like the whole time Cam Newton's like playing everybody his uh, highlight tape on the bus and shit. Like <laughs> just hilarious. Like you know, Des is like going off on somebody. Like just what a perfect like environment. I loved it. It was a good time. Yeah. That's awesome. What a star-studded event that must have been. So with you playing in the NFL, what was – what do you feel like – do you feel like you accomplished everything that you wanted to as a player? Do you feel like, you know, you ended up walking away with the game with everything that you wanted out of it? Yeah, more or less. Like, uh, I remember my senior year of college, I didn't think I had a chance to play in the NFL. Like, I was kind of more – you know, leaning towards and trying to figure out like what my next move was going to be after college and kind of like trying to find an entry level job. And, um, you know, I remember my college coach first pulling me aside and saying like, Hey dude, like you can still play. Like you, you know, there's still a little bit left in your story. Uh, and then I was blessed enough, uh, you know, I had an agent, his name's uh, Mook Williams and, uh, he, he, he flies out and he kind of, you know, just lays it out for me. He says, you know, you got a shot. I mean, it's worth taking the shot if you've got the shot. dude. And so, uh, you know, took the shot. I was able to kind of, I was on practice squad my first year, most of my first year. And then, uh, you know, I was active for most of the time after that. And, you know, again, I always took it as like, man, what a blessing it is to be here and how cool it is. And wow. Um, and I actually kind of stopped playing because um, I knew I wanted to do some of these other things that I'm doing right now. Um, and I just felt as though football could not, uh, wouldn't allow me to do that in the long term. Right? Like I got a really bad concussion my last year. Mm. And uh, I just remember like not being able to think how I usually think and not being able to process information in the ways that I'm accustomed to processing information. And that shit really scared me. And uh you know, kind of put some stuff into perspective, like I want kids and stuff. And I was like, ah, 
I'm never, I'm not going to be a Hall of Famer, so maybe I should uh, take this blessing for what it is and you know get off onto that next uh, onto that next perspective. So, yeah. Who was the first person that you told you were going to retire, and how'd they react? I like asking this question because I usually get some pretty some pretty wild answers. My wife, or she was my fiance at the time. Actually, she was my fiance at the time, and uh, she was like, she's like cool, you know. She was like, I'm tired of moving around and stuff because, uh, you know, we had been kind of stressed all the time because when you're kind of like one of those fringe players, you're always like your whole life is just in limbo constantly. And it's kind of a crazy way to live your life. And really the only way you could do that is if you love the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did not love the game. And so, you know, uh, having that level of uh, inconsistency, you know, could be difficult. Um, then I told my agent, and at the time too, we had just, I don't know if you're like a, a big online and stuff, but Gary V, he's like, uh, you know, big business personality. And uh, he bought our agency. And so I remember kind of telling my agent Mook, and then I talked to uh, AJ, who's uh, Gary's brother. And he's like, he tells me, dude, I completely get it. Like, no one should do anything that they're kind of not into anymore, especially uh, play football. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and I told all my friends and stuff, and you know, we laughed about certain stuff uh, and, you know, moved on. So it was actually kind of a, you know, yeah, it was a good process. So. You uh, kind of circling back a little bit, a question just popped into my head. You mentioned that you were an English lit major. Did, is that what you ended up graduating as? Because I got a follow up yeah, question. English, after that. Yeah, English and uh, I double majored in that in sociology. So. What's your favorite book that you've ever read? I'm trying to put these young guys onto some onto some reading material. For what though? Like uh, just one favorite. Just what's the first thing that just jumps in your head? Like man, so you should read first this. First thing I first thing that popped in my head was uh, a lifetime of observations on and off the court, John Wooden. Um, oh. Like legendary. If you're trying to build a life grounded on principles on some level Mm. and it's very rooted in um you know sports but those are like lifeless lifelong lessons right Mm. um there's another book uh or it's kind of like a like a autobiography is uh satirist his name's uh robert crump and uh he was kind of an illustrator kind of like the mid-century i would say and he was uh you know, super critical of um, society and our norms. And so, you know, I love that book also. And then kind of my favorite piece of fiction is really like anything Toni Morrison or there's a really good book by a guy named Kurt Vonnegut. It's called Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, super whimsical, super like fun story, but, you know, really grounded and rooted in like, uh, like these human issues. So, You ever thought about writing a book yourself? A novel book, yeah, 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 all the time. Like, as a my craft as becoming a screenwriter is kind of like what I've been most focused on. And writing a screenplay versus writing anything else is like wildly different. Um, and it takes such an attention to detail and such an attention to how screenwriting as a 
thing works that it's kind of where I've been focusing most of my attention but you know in the future like I'd love to kind of write a weird like offensive line manifesto uh you know uh you know stuff like that so what what's the you mentioned screenwriting what's your process look like for writing because I I've I've always been curious as to what a professional looks like um I would not I don't get paid much for this yet, so I would not call myself a professional, but I do think that it's much about like sitting the fuck down and doing the work. I think the hardest part is is sitting down in the chair and doing it and um, and learning how to do it correctly, right, uh, is the most important thing. And ensuring that you're like, you know, that you're reading screenplays a lot, super matters, and that you're watching, you know, the movies and the, and the or TV shows that are kind of within the, the niche of shit that you're trying to do. Um, so some, some combination of all that. Are you still in contact with any, like, former teammates or coaches or anything like that? That's one of the big things um, I like to touch on because, you know, when you get – like you mentioned, you drew that line in the sand and you were, you know, kind of staying away from watching football. I went through the same thing. A lot of people I've interviewed have gone through the same exact thing. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it is very interesting. And it's because I, I went through, I mean, I just got done with coaching a couple of years ago and it took me, it took me like a solid, like two or three years to even be able to turn the game on and enjoy it. And now, like mm-hmm. you said, now with the level of knowledge that I know, probably not at the level, you know, but I love it. Like, I love the game. I see the details in it. I, I love watching it and just being a fan and, and, you know, sitting back and cracking a beer and, you know, just watching it with mm-hmm. some friends or something. But um, for you, like, do you feel like, like, okay, so back to the question, are you still in communication with anyone? Because as far as, you know, that transition into retirement, uh I found that it's helped me a lot to stay in contact with people that I, you know, went through similar things, you know, have Mm -hmm. gone through the same life experiences. Is that the same for you? Yeah. I mean, anyone who I'm cool with, I'm cool with, like, that's a lifelong thing. And so I'm, you know, I text guys all the time. They text me sometime. Uh, One of my best friends actually still plays. Uh, He played for the Browns especially. His name's Malcolm Smith, Uh, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl. Whenever the Seattle Seahawks uh, put a walloping on the Denver Broncos in, uh, I can't remember the name of that stadium up there, but um, you know, and so I'm, you know, I talk to him a lot. I talk to, you know, guys that I played with in college and in a little bit in the pros. And, uh, you know, there's much that thing of just being able to lean on someone else and talk to someone, even about football, you know, like sometimes you just need to indulge yourself. Like, <laughs> oh man, did you see like <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And uh, having someone who's there who can like speak to that helps a lot. Like, oh yeah, man, that was great. Like, yeah, the way they bracketed, oh yeah, that was a crazy double team. Like these guys, the O-line's balling in there, right? And just yeah. being able to do that with people definitely helps. And really anywhere in life, like, I think it's more just about, you know, being able to connect to people and have conversation just about anything, right? Um, if you're feeling uh, fragile, for lack of a better word, right? but like being able to kind of lean on someone and have a conversation uh, about anything. So. Did you end up having to go through a mourning period? Like after you got done with football? 
Like, I know, I know you said it was your choice to retire. You got a concussion. You said, Hey, like, you know, this is it for me. Do you feel like even though it was a voluntary decision that you kind of had that, that uh, time period of, you know, damn, like, or were you with your creative stuff? Do you just jump right into it? Yeah. Like that did not happen to me. Like me and my wife actually joke about it sometimes because I spent very little time after I made that decision, like thinking about the decision, thinking about football really in general. Um, it was just like my mind kind of flipped over. And now thinking about it, it feels like a different lifetime. You know, it feels like something that happened in the vague past that I can't recall, right, in a, in a strange way. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't deal with that. I was very much focused on like, you know, learning about investing and, and learning about, uh, you know, telling stories in the, within the Hollywood system, you know, so, and that's a lot, that's a, that's a lot to bite off. So there's not much uh, time to be spent lamenting. So what, what's the, what's your impression of the Hollywood system as you've gotten into it? Cause I mean, being from Florida, I think I've spent like a weekend in California, but I've always been interested is what, what does that look like from the inside to you? It's gotta be cutthroat. It's a business. You know, it's a business uh, and it's kind of, it's an important business too. You know, like people need stories, people need, um, people need meaning a lot of time and not to make it deep and fucking artistic, but like, you know, people need to see a character on the screen going through something that they can identify with and see them get over those hurdles. Um, you know, that's like, much of what it's about, right? Mm. And uh, I think it's an important function, right? It's an important thing that we have collectively places to go and lean and and to see things that make us feel, right? Uh, Whatever that is, whatever those emotions are. Sometimes it's like, you know, uh, it's a love story and it makes you feel like romance and longing and passion. And then sometimes it's like like an apocalyptic thriller and they're like, oh shit, and shit's blowing up and like <laughs> stuff's happening, you know? Like, yeah. It's like you're, you're, yeah. So, you know, um, I think uh, it's a business, you know? And that's kind of one thing that you don't, you know, you think like you're just trying to like be an artist and tell these stories, but like it's a business and you have to approach it as such. Um, and, you know, and it's an important business, like I said, not to loop too much so. yeah no absolutely so if if you could give a young athlete uh say a guy that's either graduating and is kind of ending his career with football or you know maybe played in the nfl deciding on retiring that wanted to get into the hollywood business either as an actor performer writer what what would you say what would you say to uh, you know give them some advice going down that path now that you've done it do it do it uh go get on the phone call people go to classes see meet people who do it go to the meetups um you know because it's really it's as cliche as it sounds it's just about doing it right it's like Mm. you know the team who you know gets up every day and does the right things wins right and it's the same for the person that's like trying to break into Hollywood on some level, like if they are, you know, persistent and 
if they are focused on doing uh, their job correctly and if they're you know focused on making it easier for other people to do their jobs um, then you know you it'll be easier for you to get an opportunity it's also one of those things that's you know it's it's tough to get into but nowadays uh, I think it's easier right like there's more shows being made today than ever before. Um, you have YouTube, which, you know, like some of our, some of the, you know, Issa Rays and like all these uh, kind of big creators of our time are, you know, kind of coming off of the internet and, uh, you know, and made their own web series or something like that. And so, you know, like if it's something that you love and you're passionate about, do it. It's going to take you a long time. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like in the same way that, you know, as an athlete, you played four years of high school football and, and, you know, and maybe got the opportunity to play in college. And then you played four or five years or three to five years in, in college. And maybe you got the opportunity to play in the NFL to make some money. Right. Uh, like that's a long time. Right. That's, eight years right of mm. doing a thing in and out and perfecting it before someone gives you a dollar for it um and you know there's really there's really no difference right and it's all the same like all this like you know if you're trying to be uh i don't know like an architect who who builds the next big thing in Manhattan. Like you don't just show up and say, hey guys, I want to build this, you know, 112 story skyscraper. No, you have to like do some houses probably. I don't know what it is, but like, you know, you have to work your way up, it's, right? There's something there. Yeah. Yes. Right? <laughs> so. Absolutely. Um, so kind of off, off beat, off topic, what what would you say is the best movie you've ever seen? I, I would love to hear your oh, opinion. If coming coming from someone that's writing and 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 actually in this in this business, just right off the top of your head, what do you think is the best movie you've ever seen? Whether it's your favorite or not doesn't really matter. Just something that really hit you. I don't know. There's just too many. Like there's too many good movies. You know. To even like, I have favorites. Like, I love, you know, all kinds of shit. Um, now I'm not gonna be able to think of anything because you put me on the spot. But like, you know, a movie like uh, like Birdman, I thought was a great movie. And even you know, I just watched like this thriller, this like apocalyptic thriller with uh, Gerard Butler. You know, it's not really my type of movie, but like, it was a good movie. You know, it gave you what you came for. You know, my heart was pumping, shit blew up. Like, oh, yes. cool, like that. Um, I, I'm less, I watch less movies today. Now I'm more of like a TV guy. Right. And I watch, you know, like, I love like, uh, like a limited series, like a true detective, you know, true okay. detective, really good. Uh, the crown on Netflix, fucking really good. Yeah. Um, you know, Fargo, but fire, uh, you know what I'm saying? And so any of those kind of like uh, Breaking Bad, The Sopranos is the best thing ever created. I love. So when COVID hit, my wife gave me so much shit because I had never seen The Sopranos. I'd seen a couple. I think I had oh. like, right. Yeah. No, I'd never seen it. And I'd never had time to wow. see it because I was always working. I was teaching. I was doing this and that. 
COVID hits, I'm working from home. She said, you guys sit, she was pregnant at the time. She was like, you guys sit your ass down. We're going to watch this whole thing. She'd seen it like two or three times. When I tell you, man, I was so consumed. It was such a good, you know, when you watch a really good show and all of a sudden, like you start talking with like an Italian accent and you start feeling (laughs) like I want meatballs. Like I want, like, I want pasta. You know what I mean? Like that's, it hit me like that. It was like, I was thinking about, it's one of those shows where it's like, even when I'm not doing anything now, I'm like wearing wife beaters around the house and shit. And like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like it hit me deep, like in that, like, like lizard brain. Like I I was so blown away. And then right after that, first time I ever watched Breaking Bad. Stupid too. Dude, those are probably the two best. Yeah. And the Mad Men. I don't know if you've seen Mad Men. I'm watching it right now. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. It's okay. Yeah. yeah, dude. The, the, funny, funny that you say that. My thing with uh, the Sopranos, I've seen the Sopranos probably ten times now, like through. I watch it once a year, which is crazy. Um, but when I w- would watch it, especially before I was like interested in storytelling, uh, at least at a professional level. I would always feel like be I would be wrapped up in that story and like I would walk outside and I'm like oh, you know feel like I was about to get whacked or something you know like <laughs> oh like I'm part of it like someone's waiting on me you know Johnny Sachs from New York like they're tripping like I gotta be ready <laughs> right uh, and yeah but there's 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 so much good TV now like it's like a it's a genuine golden age of like you know, these hour dramas and even like these like half hour, I've been, because the thing I'm writing right now is kind of like a half hour dramedy. And so I've been watching like Masters of None and uh, Rami and uh, like Atlanta and, you know, all these kind of like half hour shows that are, and these these things are fire, man. Like Mm. really good, Dave, like, you know, uh, the dude who's a rapper, Lodicky, like these things are fire, man. And there's just so much good stuff out right now that like you can't even, I can say without a doubt that Sopranos is the greatest thing ever made. And then there's like a, there's like a Stratus with like a strata with like, you know, Breaking Bad is up there and Mad Men is up there. Uh, but there's just so much good stuff that I don't even know if I can, you know, break it down. I love The Godfather too, great movie, great film. The Godfather I just love one, the two or three. Story. One and two, most three falls off for me, man. Yeah. I think I think that's kind of the common the common uh, sentiment is that the third one is not quite on par with the first two. But hell, you got to wrap it up somehow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you hit two grand slams, and all of a sudden you get a base hit, and people are like, "What the hell happened?" Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. That's awesome, though, man. Your passion for movies, man, has got me thinking about going up and watching Mad Men right now. So oh, <laughs> I'm excited. Where, to get where, to where it. are you at in it? First season, episode seven. <sighs> yeah, man, I got I got my whole journey ahead of me right now. So oh, yeah, my I'm wife has really put me on. My wife has put me on every good show that I've ever seen. Like she's been so so <laughs> instrumental in getting me into this stuff. So God love bless it. her. Yeah. God, bless her. God bless her for the Sopranos. I feel like everyone should watch the Sopranos in their life. I you agree. Know? Like it's that good. And the subtext, like how everyone's always, everyone in that show always is saying something and means something else. And that's kind of the thing that I love the most about it. It's like, it's like 
everyone's having conversations at like three different levels, right? Mm. Like they're not trying to say anything that would like indict them. They're not trying to say anything that would like get them in trouble with somebody, but they're trying to get something across, right? And there's mm. so many like these rare moments in that thing where, where, you know, the subtext is just real. And I think that that's like something that happens on a human level all the time in conversation that we don't acknowledge. Like, I think, especially nowadays, everyone thinks everything's so like black and white, but like there's hella gray in there, fam, you know? And I think they do a really good job of like hopping into that muddy area, especially as it kind of pertains to some like, just how, how people communicate. So. I loved. Give me a second. This is my Okay. Had to take a little break. Had a little cut out there. So, as we kind of, I don't want to keep you all night or anything like that. I know you're a busy man, but as we kind of wrap this thing up, I always like to ask uh, this this last final uh, last final question and. Uh, it's a little bit of a deeper question, but without any more buildup, um, if you could go back and talk to from the ages of 16 to 18 year old Darian A.A. Weems, I'm pronouncing your name right too. I don't want to sound like a fool. Yeah, that's here. good, man. Darian, that's perfect. Okay. If you could go back and talk to 16, 18 year old Darian A.A. Weems and give him some advice on what's to come either with the transition out of football uh, i know you said it wasn't that hard for you um or or anything any kind of life advice that would that would help you at this point what do you think it would be 16 to 18 year old darian me looking at it now i would have told him to buy some bitcoin in college like geez you know <laughs> Spend 250 on it, fam. Like, hell yeah. What are we talking about? Get like 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, bro. 250, like, when you know, 17 cents at one point. Yeah. Uh, but um, I don't know, man. Going back, maybe it is that thing like, be more interested in money and how it works earlier. Right. Mm. I've never gotten burned or anything, but I just I left a lot more on the table, not fundamentally understanding um, money, how it gets a return and what's necessary for those things to happen. Um, and, you know, just learning those things that like no one's teaching us you know like right money taxes you know what i'm saying like um mortgage yeah right like cost of money cost of time right no one no one ever thinks about cost of time but like that's a big one for me now like like you know like what is that uh you know if i'm doing some task or something unless i genuinely love to do that thing or you know it's providing me you know some other kind of weird uh joy like uh what's the cost of that time that i'm putting into doing that versus doing something else like i was blessed enough to be like one of those people who like didn't care about social media early like i deleted instagram and twitter and all that kind of like uh and i'm back on it now but like i just you know felt like it was having adverse effects on my 
on, on my person. But, uh, you know, just like keep your eyes open. And, you know, I think I did a solid job of keeping my eyes open. But I'd say peel them more, buy some Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) So to kind of carry on from that, because I know you've done your homework, you've done your research financially. What, because I don't think I've ever asked anyone this question on this show. What kind of financial advice would you give uh, like a kid coming out of college who needs to hear it? Because I've always heard one one thing that kind of shocked me kind of to parlay into this was, um, getting it, getting your, trying to find a way to get your money into an account that's earning interest for you. And a big part of the reason is because, uh, inflation, like people mm-hmm. don't understand that if you just leave cash sitting around, it's losing value every minute that you mm-hmm. have it not earning interest. So, so finding an interest bearing account is something that's really important. What's, what's some, some investment knowledge that you would care to share without making me pay for it, please. Well, I mean, if there is a product or a service that you absolutely love and you know everything about, chances are someone else does and they love it too. And chances are it's a really good product and you should probably invest a little bit in it, right? Even if it's 20 bucks here, 40 bucks there, right? Mm. Um, It's uh, like, you know, like if you're into gaming, you know, Activision has stock, right? Uh, Apple's getting into it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you're su- if you love Instagram, uh, you know, and that's your life. Like Facebook stock is there, even though they could get spent off. Who knows? Uh, you know, like if if you have conviction about something and you love it, chances are it's a good thing, and you should, uh, you know, invest a little bit into it. Um, you know, like there's a uh, there's these memes, right? Like you know, I, I spent a little bit of time on TikTok before I kind of got rid of it. But like, you know, there would be like some person on TikTok and they would be like, did you know that if you had a Netflix account since such and such time, had you invested that $13 into Netflix stock versus uh, watching Netflix, which, you know, I mean, I needed to watch some Netflix, but I feel my guy, uh, you know, you have this much money or whatever the fuck, right? And that's a real thing. And um do things for the long term don't uh don't get wrapped up in in mania and into you know uh you know like how everyone was like super into like dogecoin or something right now you buy it who knows no <laughs> uh, strictly, I only own Bitcoin. I own a little bit of Ethereum. That's like, a, you know, it's a very small piece of my portfolio. But like, you know, like, don't do stuff like that uh, because there's going to be a lot of people who make money, but then there's going to be a lot of people who get hurt. And uh, you know, the uh, the thing you want to do, like Warren Buffett says, number one rule of investing don't lose money. Number two rule, listen to number one, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes if you're doing things with very long time horizons and uh, the power of compounding interest, right? The, the power of that 20 bucks in the market over 40 years, right? Over 50 years, over mm-hmm. 60 years, right? That, um, you know, the, it reaps dividends and, and there's a benefit to that, you know, versus like Netflix was a bit extreme, but like, Definitely versus saying, oh, man, I want to get this $400 pair of jeans or something. Right. Like, right. 
that's going to immediately like, lose value the second you put them around your waist. Exactly. No utility. Like at least Netflix, you're entertaining yourself. Like that, that, those jeans, you know, those shoes, even though the resale market on, you know, these Jordans and these Yeezys are crazy. So if you can find a weird way to arbitrage that, do it. But, um, you know, like it, if you're going to do stuff like that, like invest some of it, you know, don't just, don't just buy things, uh, to, you know, that old quote, buying things to uh, impress people that you don't know, right? Mm. And that you don't like or some shit like that. <laughs> so, you know, just don't get caught up in all of the shit of like being a young person and being a, and being a person in general, right? Um, and I've done it, right? I, I, I bought some true agent jeans when I was young. You know, I, I had a lot of money at the time, but like, you know, I, I've done that. But I never did things like that when I didn't have as much money and uh, and it could have been better served doing something else with. So, you know, fact, I don't know if that helps. But like. No, definitely it does. Well, it's just the exposure to these ideas with that, you know, we've, uh, you've obviously spent the time in researching and learning about, you know, how to, how to best suit your finances to whatever, you know, your goals are, retirement, whatever, you know, you end up doing. But a lot of, I didn't, I didn't know shit coming out yeah. as a 22 year old coming out of college. I had no idea. I didn't know about a 401k. I didn't know about the stock market. I was like, they're going to take my money. I'm going to put in a hundred bucks and it's going to be gone because some, some rich dude is going to end up robbing me. But you know, the more you get educated that it kind of puts that fear, um, the, the fear to bed, really. I mean, there's, there's things that you can do safe that you can end up making some money from. And it's not going to be like you said, it's not going to be, you know, I throw a hundred bucks in and I end up being a millionaire or anything like that. But if you keep putting a hundred bucks in, then you'll see, I guess uh, the term for it would be like uh, dollar cost averaging, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's, it's just time in the game and, and, I really appreciate you dropping that knowledge too. Cause I feel like if someone hears that, that didn't previously know, I feel like that's all great advice. Um, so as we kind of wrap this thing up, man, where can people find you at? What, what, what can anyone find any projects or anything that you're doing? Do you even want people to find you? <laughs> crazy. <man. laughs> uh, the crazy thing is I live my life in such a mad internet world. Although I do need to start doing more YouTube stuff, man. Um, but like, you know, you can find me. I, the only place that like I would interact with anyone is on Twitter. My mm-hmm. Instagram account is lot is uh is kind of private. Um, I'll be doing some YouTube stuff soon. Who knows? Yeah, you can see um, part of my podcast. I have one of my college teammates uh, on there. Um, it's called the Mac and Weem Show. Um, you know, very soon you'll be seeing a uh, a flip show um, with me and my homies flipping houses on it uh somewhere on the on the you know television webs um so when that thing hits uh rock with us watch it absolutely Um, but yeah do you have a title for it yet what is we do and the crazy thing i feel so terrible not uh hold on (sighs) flips and fumbles Oh, okay. Flips so it's kind of part, yeah, playing with the uh, the Flips football. Yeah, because you know, it's me. It's um, really all my childhood friends. Some of which I uh, started a production company with. Uh, some of which uh, also played in the NFL. Uh, my other buddy uh, Malcolm Smith, who, uh, like I said, he plays. Uh, he played with the Browns this past year. Who had a those guys had a hell of a season, right? 
Um, they put a whoop on so, the Steelers. So, you know, flips and fumbles. When you see it, check it out. Absolutely. Like flips and fumbles. Beautiful work, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some knowledge and, and just talking about your journey and, and your experience in, in retirement and a million other things, man. Um, like you said, time is very valuable and I appreciate you spending some of your valued time with me. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you're doing in the future, man. Definitely. I, w- I want to stay in touch, man. Cause this is, this is, uh, I, I feel like you're going to do some big shit. So Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, have a wonderful week. Absolutely. You too, man. Take care. Right. Thank you all again for tuning in this episode of the podcast. Thank you to my guest, Darian, for giving us all some great insight into his journey. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this show and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, everywhere. We got it. Thank you again. And until next week, go do something good for someone. Peace.